When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always much appreciated when you tune in and don't forget you can read my work on espn.com also for you gold members i am doing a private zoom session just for you tuesday 7 30 eastern time you should receive a link to join the zoom session and go for about 30 40 minutes ask me whatever question you want i'll answer as best as i can and then the rest of the the club members will be able to get to see that after we're done with the private zoom also, in a minute, I'll be joined by Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. Now, we're going to talk about Dan Quinn's coaching staff, a lot about that, and then also some other topics through that are going to obviously be there for Washington throughout the offseason, including, of course, quarterback. As you may have heard, they may pick a quarterback with the second pick. I wonder if there's going to be any debate on any of the quarterbacks who might be up for, up for, uh, up for possibilities. And I wonder if the debates will be rational. What do you think? I'm going to guess no. For most people, no. It won't be rational because we've already seen it. But that's the fun part of the draft and sports. So enjoy it. Embrace it. And a couple months will be over. And then the whole debate will be, how good will this quarterback be? Anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Going to be joined by Nikki in a minute. And again, I want to bring Nikki on just to get her thoughts on Dan Quinn's coaching staff. We met with Kings, Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Witt Jr. last week. I gave you my thoughts. I think, you know, Witt has the energy and passion I think is really good in a coach. But more than that, I like the, the message he gave about how he's going to teach the creative learning process. But also, you can point to what they did in Dallas and his work with the secondary there as far as being able to disguise post or just kind of show a different coverage post-snap. That's very key. So it's not just about... Always got the energy. Always got this passion. He's also got the chops to back it up, and and you know. So I think that is as big as anything. Anyway, Kingsbury, just he's he's a play caller. He's a play designer. You can tell that's what he wants to do. Anyways, I gave you my thoughts last week, so I wanted to get Nikki's thoughts all and also on the entire staff in general. We're going to meet all the assistant coaches on Wednesday later in the day. So I'll be talking about our impressions with them and just some things we gathered for, for the ensuing podcast as we start to now get more and more into the roster. I'm going to put this coaching stuff behind us. I'm going to have some people on coming up, hopefully, to talk about some of these coaches in particular, hopefully on Kingsbury, just to, to fill you in more on what the offense is, what who might fit well within this offense. We know that there are multiple guys in this draft at the top of the draft that are good candidates for this offense. But I want to bring on people who can maybe have some stronger ideas about the fits, what 
are important things to look for, et cetera. So we're going to get start to get more and more into that. We have free agency coming up in a couple of weeks. We have the combine coming up in a week. And so we're going to talk about that as well as we're going to get into all that. So there's a lot to discuss going forward, moving past some of the coaching staff stuff, because thankfully that part is over. Um, it also means I'm, I don't know that I'm going to be doing a podcast every single day, probably four days a week, at least until, unless news warrants. Um, but, we, but, you know, I, so the next podcast that I'll come out will be and the YouTube portion will be on Wednesday morning. So unless something unforeseen happens on Monday night or Tuesday. Anyway, there you go. So the next one comes out Wednesday. Enough from me. Let's get to my conversation with the Washington Post, Nikki Javala. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Nikki, we got a chance to talk with Cliff Kingsbury and the Joe Jr. on Thursday. We're taping this Friday. going to come out Monday. But I am curious. I gave people my thoughts on it. I know they, you know, wanted to jot down every word. But they kind of like to hear from you, too. So... I got, a, there's a lot of Nick Etts out there that love when you're on. So this is, there you go. I brainwashed people. <laughs> but I am curious, but I do want to know your, yeah. your general thoughts, first of all, on, on what you heard from the coordinators. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it was a lot of the same things that you hear from folks when they come in. Um, you know, we're going to tailor the system to our guys and we want, you know, I, I, a collaborative approach and blah, blah, blah. But I I do like some of the things I heard. I mean, Cliff kind of dodged all the questions about quarterback, which at this point I kind of understand he came in three days ago. There's they're just beginning roster evaluations. There's not a whole lot they've done. And I get his reasonings for not going deep on uh, Caleb Williams. Um, But I do, I, I thought one of the answers he said it was interesting where he's, he doesn't like the air raid label to his offense. And a good, that again, that could be total semantics, but if he, if he's really saying that there will be more balance to his offense, especially with you look at some of the hires they've brought in and bringing in outside ideas to, to not just do the same thing they've done at past stops. Um, I think that's a really sound approach. It's a good approach. You hope they actually do that. Um, but I, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see what they come up with and if they actually do tailor it to their personnel. Um, on defense, it's I, I think there's more of a track record of Dan Quinn and Joe Witt doing that because the defense in Dallas was not the same as it was in Atlanta or Seattle where they ran that, you know, their signature cover three. It was, you know, it was more of a mix of man and zone and they ran different things. They moved guys around. Um, I think anybody really likes hearing, you know, you want the quarterback to be confused post snap. I, I feel like most teams do that now, some better than others, but that was a common gripe among this group last year. So they didn't feel like they had, you know, enough disguise. They didn't feel like, um, but they felt like they were sort of predictable on defense. So I think adding these new 
layers and just having in fresh ideas, fresh voices will really help us grow. Well, I think let's stay on the fresh ideas because to me, that's a distinct difference from what we saw the last several years. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's a hodgepodge of assistance. This is not a group that has worked together for years or even a year, you know, some have, but not all. So what, when, I, I, and you kind of just talked about, but what do you, do you have either a concerns about like, cause you bring in a lot of ideas or is that just, cause to me, like with ideas, it can stimulate growth, energy and all that. There can be a very right. good thing, but right. you have to make sure that people are actually listening and adapting. Right. Right. And that's, that's kind of the, the feeling I came away with is like, I think it's a good approach. I think you want, you always want somebody to challenge your own thoughts. You don't want just everybody to agree. I think it's, you know, some debate is healthy um, to bring in new ideas to, to help your offense defense evolve is essential. And Dan Quinn said that in his introductory presser. Um, you also want to make sure you don't have too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, so that you have, a singular message because that too was an issue last year and in years prior where, you know, you'll have different messages from the assistants, you know, what the head coach wants is not consistently passed down and relayed to the players clearly. Um, so if you can ensure that, I think it's a good approach. And I think that's a good point too. Like even last year, cause I mean, you, they, there were assistants, but it's like, it was a mixture of what, maybe what Ron wanted to do in some ways with what Del Rio had done. Um, and it was really a lot of it was Ron staff, but you're the coordinator. So it was, it was a, I don't know that it was always um, the best mix conducive to elevating a group. I mean, I think they, they all, you know, people know football. I mean, they're smart guys. It wasn't about that, but I do, right. I do wonder about that and just how important it is to have guys who aren't just tethered to the head coach. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember one um, player saying, you know, and they had, it was sort of like you have a a coordinator, but also a positional coach, like a, a you know, either a defensive pass game coordinator, or a positional coach, um, and it felt like they had two positional coaches that were teaching different things, and that's not good, you know. They need to be in sync. And um, sorry, go ahead. No, they said I think that there were a couple times on defense too in the past, and this was more like when this is several years ago where maybe something would happen and the position coach and the coordinator were not on the same page about what they wanted to see, whether it was technique or whatever. And it led to confusing messages to the players. And then if the position coach doesn't stick up for the player, then it's even worse. So yeah. like, you know, those are some of the conflicting messages. You've That's why they talk about same page, same page, same page, right. you know? And right. I think, I don't know that Nikki, I'm not sure that they were all ever on that same page. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem like it at times, but you know, this is where, you know, and I've, I've thought about this a lot. I've kind of gone back and forth on it. Like I would have really loved to see Dan Quinn call plays. Cause I think he's really good at it, obviously, but more and more, I see his reasoning for want wanting to be purely focused on being sort of that manager, so to speak, which I think has gotten sort of a negative connotation over mm -hmm. the years. Um, but when you have all these people on staff, it's essential that they're all on the same page. And if you're torn in one on one side of the ball more than the other, then it's much more difficult to do that. And he's, he said that he's, he's kind of learned some lessons from the past when he's coaching Atlanta on feeling like he's been spread too thin 
Um, so listen, I, I applaud any coach that does something differently after not completely succeeding one time before, because I don't think every coach does that. This is not right. the NFL by nature recycles a lot. Um, so it's kind of refreshing to hear a coach say that. I also, I also think clearly Joe Witt feels like he's ready for that ascension yeah. to the role. Yes. And I think I would think that like, I don't think that Quinn is going to do that if he doesn't feel that Joe Witt is ready for right. that role too. Right. What were your takeaways from him? Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was really interesting. I mean, I came away super hyped from the press conference. Um, well, I saw the way you decked Sam Fortier afterwards, like you leveled them to the ground. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he had some great one-liners, you know, the way that we live is not for everybody. Right. Um, no, but I like, you know, a lot of the things that he were, he was preaching or a lot of the things that this team sorely needs, you know, um, they've talked about creating takeaways, but it was never consistently done. It never felt like players were developed to get to that point where they could consistently force takeaways. Um, you know, he talks about, you know, he talked about Micah Parsons and moving him around and he felt like there are a couple guys on this roster where they could move him around and create different mass matchups. He talked about the post-snap confusion. He talked about just, you know, how structure doesn't really matter. Three, four, four, three. I feel like that has kind of become a thing of the past anymore because more teams play in sub packages than they do in base anyway. But I, 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 think the fact that his messaging was the same as Dan Quinn's that play style is more important than anything at this point and finding that same sort of makeup is essential I mean I you like hearing that that coach and coordinator on the same page so yeah and and do you when you listen to them what I'm going to go by the way I'm going to ask you this question I'm going to answer the door open the door for my dog to come my office because it's sitting there crying so I'm going to ask you a question don't be there you go So, but don't be like, I'm going to, don't be distracted by me leaving my seat for a minute. But was was there a player and I'll be able to hear you. Was there a player or two that you felt like needed to hear the Joe Witt message? Um, I felt like there were a few, I think all of them, but you know, I, I think the first one, when you're talking about Micah Parsons, the first one that came to mind is Cam Curl just because of his versatility. Um, so you hope that they, get a deal done with cam curl soon wow that was speedy that was, that's right there um but you know you, you jamin davis is another if they you know decide to keep him you know is really because i felt like his his first few years here he has not developed into the player that you would expect as a first round pick at linebacker right. um and he has some of the traits that joe witt described but it was never consistent um and it never really felt like he got it, um, Jamin. Um, I'm trying to think. I, Quan Martin, I think, will be great yeah, I, <laughs> with I Joe like Witt. Him. I mean, yeah. he's perfect. He's a physical player. Um, it, he really started to come on late. He's a versatile player. Um, Derek Forrest is another another very yes. physical player. Could do more with him. So, very violent. He should fit the Joe Witt mold. Um, but the guys up front, I mean, it's a defensive end is where like, I mean, they need guys. Um, and I, I don't know who they're going to be, but you know, they need more than just their interior guys. Curious because the name you didn't bring up was Emmanuel Forbes. What do your, what do you think this means for him? Yeah. Yeah. I can only hope that it means 
he he takes to the coaching. He learns. He's he becomes more sound with his technique because like for for all the talk about his weight um, after he was drafted, his weight was not the issue. Right. It was his technique. Right. Um, and it was you know doing that technique consistently, which to me. I think both player and coach are to be blamed. Like as Joe Witt said, which I thought was fantastic. If yeah. a player isn't learning, it's the coach's fault. You know, players can learn. It means you're not a good teacher as a coach. Um, and I, I agree with that. You know, I, I think it's also on the player to take to the coaching. So I, I think it's on both, you know, the DB's coaches and Emmanuel Forbes to really, um, kind of fix some of the issues that were holding him back last season. Right. And I, to me, it's like, if you, if you're, if you can't reach them, then you drafted the wrong player. So somewhere along the line, right. the evaluation was wrong, but I agree with you. Like there's more and what I liked from what, and I talked about this on the other day was like, there are multiple ways to, you can use to reach a guy. And sometimes it's, you know, it's everybody learns differently. And that was kind of the right. message that he had. Um, he did have like a lot of energy too, and a lot of yes. passion for that. How important do you think that is? I think it's huge. I think just like it is with Dan Quinn, you know, this is, this is a team that has like, you know, been mediocre at best for years. I mean, they, they haven't had a winning season in seven years, one playoff berth. I mean, it's just, you know, they need somebody to kind of feel that energy. I, I mean, I just remember being in that locker room for much of the season because they're I feel like after the Bears game, everybody just felt like it was done. Was um, and then after that, it was like a dead zone. You know, there's no energy. And like it sounds corny just to talk about energy and because it's not all about rah-rah. It's just a simple belief that you feel right. like you can still win. And and to have a coaching staff that believes that, I think it's it's absolutely necessary um especially after last year and this is no knock against ron rivera every coach has their own style um but there was a point where it felt like some of the coaches were not quite in it too and, and players see that of course players feed off that um so to have that energy i think i think it's essential but it's also really refreshing you know just a have that belief. And yes, this is always the happiest time of year in the NFL. Right. Everybody thinks they can be a contender, but um, they, and I don't know how this will pan out. I don't want to like say like, like, Oh yeah, they're going to be great. Like I, I have no idea, but I, I think some of the things they've said and some of the things they plan to do seem to fit what this team needs. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up too, because like in the locker room, I think the other word is hope. And when you have yeah. hope, you have energy. You, it brings it brings okay. its own energy. I think after a while, they lost hope. They lost yeah. belief that they were going. And John Allen voiced it, but I think we yeah. felt it from many others that they kind of realized this is who they are. And I think there was a shock right. to the system after that Bears game and some of the couple other games where like they did not expect that kind of a result. And um, right. So I think, but yes, I think with energy comes hope, but you can't be false energy. And I think energy not just comes from like the, it's not just about rah, rah. It's about how yeah. do you attack a situation? Like, what are you, how are you solving problems? Right. It's not just like, Hey, I'm here. Like I've seen guys, we've all seen guys that come across like they have energy, but this can be, it can, they can also in, insert right. a lot of negativity. 
and en- negative yeah. energy into it too. So I think yeah. that, but it's, it comes from a belief an upbeat confidence that I think you can get. So how do you know? Ultimately yeah. comes down to winning too. Like, well, ultimately, you know, yeah. like there was a lot of belief early in the season. This, like, we don't have to go into like the B enemy stuff, but I felt like players were much more accepting of some of the ways early on because they were yeah. seeing the results in training camp. They could see they were in the best shape of their lives after training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, they could see some improvement, but when you don't get the results, it's hard to keep that energy. It's hard to keep sure. that hope. So, and I, I think that's on players too, to kind of understand yep. kind of they're in the middle of their, a rebuild and I'm going to call it a rebuild because all the words mean the same. Um, <laughs> but you know, it may not happen overnight, but if they can see incremental improvement, I think that's essential too. Yeah. And I think you're right. And that's one thing, you know, talk to people. Cause again, I'm like you, I think, I think the off season for them is off to a really good start. And that's all it is, is a really good start. And it doesn't mean like, I don't know that they have the roster to then go, boom, here it comes. Um, And I think this, I think when you talk to people who've been in this game a while, like it's, it can be a, I don't want to say a slow build because this fan base has watched slow builds that go nowhere. You've got to show improvement. You've got to show not to me, Nikki, it's not just showing improvement. Also, who are you? I don't think we ever saw that. Like, I don't think we saw that enough. And I think when you create that identity, then you understand who you are and where you're trying to get to. Right. You know? And And to me, like, I I look at the Houston Texans and not everybody can do that. And that's largely a credit to CJ Stroud. And he's an exceptional talent. And you just don't find those every day. Um, You like to think that they have a very good chance with the number two pick, but it's hardly a guarantee. Um, but you look at where they were two years ago to, you know, what they achieved last season. And it's, it's remarkable. And that would be amazing if Washington could do that. It would take a perfect storm as it does with every team. Um, but it's not, it's not impossible. No, it's not impossible. And it shouldn't be accepted that you're not going to improve a certain level, but I do think you need to show we, you need to see the tangible impact of that improvement right and just like you know are you headed in the right direction because i think again i go back to the john allen stuff he just stopped believing they were going in the right direction and when players see that like early on you can see okay new coach like yeah you're not winning but you're seeing this and it's going to pay off here here and here because like that's how it was honestly the first year with ron there were like i know one reason ryan kerrigan didn't want to leave because he felt like he wanted to be a part of he felt like it was turning around and then it didn't and um, so like, as long as you see that growth and it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't win though. You're right. What's, has there been an intriguing hire to you of all these assistants that they've compiled? Um, I mean, I think Anthony Lynn is really intriguing, you know, and I think everybody kind of looks to just his experience as a head coach, which of course adds to it, but I just think everything he's done in the run game. I mean, he's a running back himself. He has two Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is really intriguing, especially when being paired with Kingsbury and whatever he wants to call his offense, which has been mostly air raid. I refuse to adhere to these. I don't want to be labeled this or that, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think that's really intriguing, especially given where this team was last year with, you know, their practically non-existent run game. And I say that just in like, it didn't exist that the coaches really called it, but when they did, the players were 
very efficient. Like they have the talent. Um, so I think that's really intriguing to see what he does there. I'm also intrigued by Daryl Tapp, um, the mm. defensive line coach. Just, you know, we, we saw what the 49ers defensive line looked like. Um, and granted, they have incredible talent there. Not everybody has a line that's built like that. But the way they play seems to fall in line with some of the things that Witt says, that Dan Quinn says. And, you know, it's a it's a very physical, aggressive defensive line. So, you know, I'm curious to see what he can do. And he's he's stepping into it like a first year, you know, full time positional coach. He was an assistant D line coach at, with the 49ers. So those are the two that that really intrigue me. By the way, I do know a team that used to have that kind of talent on the D line. Hmm. So, hmm. but yeah. but I do. I heard they also had town on the offensive line too. Not too long ago, it's weird. It's been a while, but yeah. but you're right with the D line though too, because even Witt said, "Hey, listen, you know he's a secondary guy, but he always knows like it starts up front." But that's where like the whole coverage stuff. That's I love that stuff. Watching how you disguise a coverage to throw off the quarterback, and there have been times here like not this past year, but the year before, where I felt like they did that pretty well, and it made a difference. And they were horrible at that last year. And so some of that, some of that was coaching, some of that was player, but it was a mixture. And so I think if you can solve that, but what I like is he understands it starts up front. So, cause like, they're going to have some decision to make up there. Like, how do you attack that? Do you go out and sign? Like they need two ends. Do you sign two free agent ends? Do you draft one? What would be your approach? I think you need a veteran in there for sure. Um, I, you know, I am curious if they if they re-sign either or both Casey Tuhill or James Smith Williams to like one years just mm-hmm. to have the depth because they don't have much there. Um, but I also think it's imperative that you draft a guy. Now they they have drafted guys in the past, but they weren't plug and play guys. And I'm not even sure they're ready this year to really step up. I thought KJ Henry, I thought he had some really good plays, but he he didn't get enough time consistently to really know like where is he at? Right. Could he really step in? And I still think you need you need a guy there on the edge. You do like it's. I mean, you just you have to have at least one good defensive end in right. this league in my mind, um, especially when you don't really have any linebackers. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I I think this draft will probably be one of the most important drafts for them. And we say this every year, but like, you know, if they have the number two pick, you figure they, they go quarterback there. They really need a defense to, to back them up. They need a line so badly. They got to develop an offensive line in the draft. It's just, they got a lot of work to do. And to me, it's, if you don't start building this in the draft, then, you know, four years down the road, you're going to have nothing. Well, and that's why I think what I liked in the initial press conference, and how many times have you heard we're going to build through the draft? Everybody says that. Yeah, everybody says that and they never do it. You know, Or you just, you don't evaluate well enough or you miss on guys right. or whatever the reasoning is. Right. And I think that's one thing like San Francisco had enough really good, like you're not going to hit every year. You're just not. Like, right. you know, when Scott McLuhan came here, he had five years of track record. Well, a couple of drafts were horrendous, but three right. of them were really good. And it helped build a good team. So, and even, you know, with the Niners, they had some years where you got a lot of starters out of that, that draft and other years, maybe you only get one or two, but you build it all, but a lot of it's homegrown and then you can supplement. So, but you know, I like that philosophy. Can you pull it off? And I think that's why Peters has a rep for doing that. But your first pick is the number two pick overall. You need a quarterback. You got a couple sit in there. 
you better get it right. Yeah. And it's no not like pressure, next year's Adam. class is really, you know, it's not touted nearly as much. It, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I look at like Detroit's line, the line Dallas had for years. Yeah, yeah. These are all built through the draft. It has always, I will never stress this enough because it always amazes me that there are these examples across the league. And for the NFL, a copycat league, we all know that doesn't follow this model consistently. Now, I understand you're not going to find these great linemen, but you have to try to get them and develop them. And it just, you know, watching this team kind of decimate a really good offensive line and never invest or develop their offensive line is just, it's astounding. I think the key is developing because I think the good team, like Callahan is a is a master at doing that. And there are other, there are other lines, and I think scheme can help that. But I also think you have to have something has to be right. Yes. And it can't just, you can't punt on a lot. And not punting on it, but like, you've got to get that right. And I think that's one of the things here. Like, can you develop that? You know, did they, you know, Bobby Johnson was in New York. Did he develop those guys there? I think there's some question marks there. But, you know, do you go out and get a couple of vets, which I think you're going to need to. So yeah. last thing, Nikki, um, did you take anything out of the quarterback conversation? What he, you know, the only thing that Kingsbury said, you need a guy who can be mobile. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I took out of it is he would like to have Patrick Mahomes, which <laughs> great. Every team would love to have Patrick Mahomes. Glad we established that. But yeah, I mean, I, I he, he's not the type of guy that's going to reveal much, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I think what they have to do in the draft is pretty clear. You know, when you need a quarterback and you're sitting at one or two, there's not, there's, there's not there's, a lot of surprises there. Like no, you got to take one. No, so. unless, yeah. Listen, if Sam Howell develops under them, that's even better, but you even can't better. just rely. You can't just rely on that. And yeah, quarterbacks are worth the weight and gold. And you, the backup is in my mind, the second most important position on the team, because especially here, the backup usually ends up being the starter by week seven. So, <laughs> you know, you need a good one. Yes. So there you go. Nikki, always appreciate your time. I've got to go now take care of a gas furnace that is no longer working and our downstairs is not getting much heat. Oh so I got to go take well, care of that. And then a roof that needs to be with my, I fried my forehead with <laughs> okay. flat iron. So good times. Well, there you go. Really now good. we got two, two people who need to do things. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Nikki. Going well. <laughs> All right. See ya. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Nikki for joining me and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Wednesday morning with another episode. So I'll talk to you next time.